You are listening to the Empowering Indian Expats podcast. If you are an Indian living abroad, feeling stuck in an average 9 to 5 or a job or business that's not helping you reach your full potential, this is the podcast to tune in where you will find your role models and learn from their dream struggle victory stories. This is your host Ehsan Ali, a long-time IT professional living in Sydney, Australia, who has made it his mission to find and unpack the stories, the strategies and life lessons of successful and inspiring Indian expats to help you and I reach our full potential. This week's guest is an interesting professional. He has PhD in nanophotonics. Uh, he works for Intel and also has been running his startup called WiseDoc for the last 3 years. I'm keen to understand what nanophotonic is and what's its practical application, why he started his business, how he manages job and a business together, what does WiseDoc do and find out about his learnings from his entrepreneurial journey. So without further ado, let's talk to Akash. Hi Akash, welcome to the podcast. Thanks Ehsan, uh, thank you for inviting me. It's it's my pleasure. Good to see you man. Thanks for uh, coming on Akash and what I really liked about your story is uh, a guy starting in Andhra did a PhD in nanotechnology and then I was hoping you would be doing some research or teaching in a university but rather than that uh, you have been running a company for last 3 years and apart from that you are still in job so that really intrigues me there are people who are tired with one job and you have mm-hmm. a full on job in intel and then you are also running a company for last 3 years it's not like you just did for a couple of months or left you've been running it for last 3 years so i want to get a lot of awareness on how you do all of those things and what's the inspiration and where you are uh-huh. taking it to so if you can introduce sakash in your own way i think that would be really sure. well it started mainly the journey started off after my beginning of bachelor's i guess so one thing i learned uh, all my uh, childhood is to participate in everything try everything out yeah. uh, do not confine yourself so although i started off with electronics and instrumentation which is like a very common with engineering ec electronics and or computer science or right. <laughs> going to medical side so when when i started off with electronics and instrumentation i was like pretty sure that i'm not going to be doing this for my rest of my life or maybe i do i just don't know yeah just being open for options so i tried out networking and robotics programming instrumentation and energy systems i tried out everything which was available in my reach because i want to taste uh, for me undergrad was like a buffet i want to mm. taste everything and then pick the best i like to right. continue forward right so uh, i did that for a few years most of my friends thought i'm crazy to do so many things and some some people thought maybe i don't know what i want which was actually true i didn't know what i want So the best way to know what you want is probably keep exploring. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So I picked at the end of my bachelor's I realized that my love is towards nanotechnology and photonics. It's a growing field. What's photonics uh, Akash? Photonics is like a study of light. Everywhere we see light it's photonics. It's okay. photon. Like okay. a display technology like a mobile di- display or even a LED bulb we have everywhere there is light. it's mm-hmm. photon so mm-hmm. i wanted to i did some internship in university of notre dame in my third year of bachelor's mm-hmm. so i skipped my school for like 15 days extra and went on for a summer for a internship 
and ended up publishing a IEEE journal with mm. nanophotonics and like a terahertz technology. So until then I was like, what is photonics? I had no idea. Mm. So mm. I went there and the first day I told my professor, what is photonics? That's how I started. Mm. And at the end of 10 weeks, we had a good fun project to do, which ended up becoming a scientific journal publication. Very nice. So I went back to India to complete my final year of bachelor's. And I realized this is really fun. I, I, I love it. And this beyond just the passion and the interest of the technology, it's, there's also a component. We build good products, uh, which can help technology growth, mm. but not completely sure about how it's going to help the end user, how it's going to help the end, end, end person who is using it. Right. Mm. Mm. But I was like, but this is good enough for me to step forward. And mm. there are two ways for me to proceed across the world. Again, I'm open to go anywhere. And then my professor who gave me an offer in internship before in University of Notre Dame, the same professor moved on to Oregon State University. And he said, hey, we had a good run for internship in photonics. Why don't you come here and let's set up a whole lab? So, wow, so what a... I was the first person with my professor. <laughs> awesome. So I came to Oregon in 2014. And me and my professor, we started opening up the boxes cleaning up the lab. It was, it, it was like what, what they show in several movies, I guess. We started cleaning up the lab, you know, clearing the spider webs and opening up the boxes and started setting the whole lab up. So that was, so a, PhD, was, that was a PhD program you enrolled into. Right. Right, wasn't it? Okay. That was a PhD program. I, I had an option of master's or a PhD, but I knew I was, I, I, I need to spend time in this nanophotonics a bit more to really come out of some useful research. Mm. So I knew that master's is not sufficient. Maybe it's a good way to go, but not sufficient. Mm. So I directly applied for the PhD program. So I skipped my master's and I applied for the PhD program. Uh, luckily, I had a professor to offer that. Yes. And, and I started off with my PhD research day one. Definitely overwhelming from a kid from India with instrumentation, basic textbook mm. to some big labs and you know fabrication, clean rooms. Overwhelming at first, for sure. But I think it was a good beginning and obviously like any other people we think okay what's my next step after this mm. so i was like phd so i want to be a professor that's first thing stuck occurred in my mind <laughs> mm. because my professor was an amazing person i used to look up to him mm. and i was like ah i gotta be him someday mm. but i was like mm. afraid you know I, I, am i am i good enough to be my professor he's he's amazing right so i thought well let me just trust the process, go with the journey. Hopefully someday I'll be a professor. Mm. So, and, and we started working on all this photonic technologies, like upcoming future display technology. Mm. Right now we have like OLED televisions and there is like Samsung QLED mm. and then upcoming with some Samsung MLED, you know, the whole bunch of generations coming up Yeah, and it's exciting. So I felt, okay, maybe I should work on the display side of uh, photonics. And I started doing that, had some good success. And, and uh, a lot of times, I think the, the part where my professor transformed me is when we occur a problem, when there is a problem, mm. the first thing I used to do is, oh, I don't think it's possible. Mm. So, and my professor used to keep on pressing me saying that, never say something is a problem, say that something is an opportunity. Opportunity, so, yes. I think guidance is obviously very important while, while growing up and the mind gets 
uh, more and more uh, matured. So I think it was the right time where right statements were taken. <laughs> so what I realized with my PhD program while I was doing it is it's not about becoming a professor. It's not about, not about doing a PhD or a postdoc. It's about finding problems and creating solutions. Right. That's the key component which was not like some motivational speaker saying it, but actually realizing it, mm. like mm. Uh, find the problems and create solutions. Mm. So most of times as a PhD student, when I'm researching things deeper and deeper, I'm not just studying about the fundamentals. I'm finding about what is a better way to do things. What is a better way to do things? Uh, what's the next generation going to look like? Mm. So I think that quality embraced uh, uh, enough that I, I, I was like, okay, I got to keep finding problems, which people are actually facing. Mm. Now I have to keep creating products to solve, solve them. their problems. Yeah. Simple. So, and I was like, how can I do that if I'm teaching, which is a good thing. I love uh, good teachers, but how can I completely dedicate myself into creating products? Mm. If I'm teaching, it's probably like half and half, 50% time. Mm. So one day I was writing my research reports, publications, and I realized that uh, one of my publication got rejected. And uh, the editor of the journal came back saying that the bibliography you wrote <laughs> is with the wrong format. Okay. And it came back. And I was like, you're kidding me. <laughs> we do the research like a DNA sensing. <laughs> and the reason it gets rejected or, or sent back is because of a formatting. Mm. I'm like, what? How does it make sense? So I went to my lab mate, uh, who is my current co-founder of uh, my company, Vicedoc, my lab mate, Bo Wu. So I went to him saying that, hey, dude, you know, this got rejected for insanely, you know, bad reason. Mm. And then he was like, yeah, what do we do? Right. <laughs> so then we uh, started searching about, you no. Know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a researcher. I'm a human who is working on solving problems. I should not be spending any time on something like font size or putting a comma or a apostrophe. Mm. You know, it was, it was funny for me that why am I doing this when I'm a researcher? I, I need to create solutions for people. Mm. So I, I told my lab mate, my, my friend and my co-founder right now, Bo, and he's like, okay, why don't we design up? There's a problem statement. Why don't we design a software mm. which can solve this? That technical journals for researchers, they can just write something and magically click a button and it throws out all the formatted ones, which mm. is ready for submission. Mm. Mm. I was like, great. It saves everybody's time. And, and that's, a, that's a great solution for people. So both of us sat down and we are like, okay, let's do this software. And we started realized there are two problems over here. I am a nanotechnology guy. I have, I have zero knowledge about coding mm. or mm. a software design. Mm. The second part is we are a photonics people. 16 hours a day for years, we sit in a dark tent, okay? Where <laughs> the, 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 the noisy light does not come and spoil our experiments. Mm. So we sit in a dark tent. There were days where I walk in in the early morning and in Oregon, the sun rises probably around like nine o'clock during the winters. So there were days where I started off at seven o'clock without any sun. 
and i come out of the tent about at night when it's so there are days where we don't see the sun mm. <laughs> so let alone speaking in public and you know coming up with a startup and build, mm-hmm. putting a team together that's far from imaginations mm-hmm. so there were two problems number one how do we even design with job with zero skill number two how do we even create a company around this because we have zero idea about business mm. so i think that's like the first ever hurdle we faced as entrepreneurs that's a beginning of our entrepreneurial journey mm. and we approached so i googled how to become an entrepreneur i literally googled that mm. and and i saw one of the few suggestions is do you have mba do you have business experience mm. and obviously i have zero for everything so we straight off went to a professor in mba and i sat down with the professor and saying that i need an mba so because i want to be an entrepreneur give me a degree this is what i asked him in oregon state university and he's like i understand you need and you need to be an entrepreneur why do you need an mba i said because that's what business is i need an mba so he said no no you might want to talk to an accelerator in the university maybe they can help you the practical things of beginning up entrepreneur like a business mm. so in the meantime i was learning about software design uh, yeah, although gosh, I was, so university do have all universities there have accelerators right most universities in the world has accelerators almost almost all universities have accelerators so and anybody can get in there whether you are doing undergrad or master anyone. or phd that doesn't matter so they are encouraging matter. entrepreneurship uh, a lot these days that's awesome absolutely there are incubators some some people call incubators and the, some the people call accelerators yeah. so did you so, go there did you go to the yes. okay tell me so we are launched that. by oregon state university's accelerator that's where we were launched initially Mm-hmm. so uh, we went to the accelerator me and my friend bo the current co-founder of iStock as well mm-hmm. so we went to both of us went to accelerator they gave us a form about write down your idea and tell us what you need mm-hmm. and we wrote down our idea mm-hmm. and when when it said tell us what you need we just wrote one word it says money mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what we needed mm-hmm. so which was uh, probably now when we think of it it's pretty na- naive but we we were like we need money to develop this product and make sure let people know that this is available for use that's mm. the key purpose mm. so the process for accelerator at osu was divided into like three phases mm. phase 1 we pitch the idea about mm. exactly is your idea mm. phase 2 we accelerate like we churn more and more details we do the more market search more product search and because sometimes when we feel like it's a good idea most of the times people don't need it so mm. it's very so important product market the, product market fit you mean right the mm. the customer discovery and the, the market fit mm. so that's the second second part we need to churn more into more more into these details mm. and see why is this a good idea for you to step in and put your life and energy into that mm. and the final one is like launching it like like signing for a company and getting your team together and uh start building out the whole thing like we are at that point it's like we are decided to go in uh, so how long did, to... how long did you have to do the second stage the research part of it before you were said yeah you are good to go each of the stages is about 4 to 5 months 
so four to five months uh, each of these stages. right each of the stage about four to five months because even from accelerator standpoint my advisors in accelerator they are dealing with people who had zero experience they, they are dealing with people who are coming out of tent mm. so mm. we came out of tent Mm. So I think the first step is to understand the terminology. Like when you say market fit and customer discovery, mm. we don't even understand those words. Mm. So that was the first four to five months of training. And which probably is pretty much what they teach in MBA as well in certain mm. sections of MBA, but this is mm. more practical. Mm. And second part is to connect these and practically doing the surveys, taking interviews of people around, making sure your communication is good, making sure you're able to pitch well and writing up your speeches and everything. So it's, this was like a second part for six months. And then the third part was about for three to four months again, where we are actually doing things and updating my advisors about, okay, what are you doing? And this accelerators is pretty much available across most of universities we, we are around mm. today. Mm. Right. So it's almost a year to launch. Almost. Yeah, it's almost a year to launch. And mm. we thought of, we registered initially called script editor because we are like writing manuscripts and you're writing an editor. So we called it mm. script editor. Mm. And then when we really signed for a company, we transformed into WiseDoc when we launched it. And we went through the whole process uh, step-by-step. Step. It was uh, painful to really understand and even go through it, but I think it was very useful in the end. Any uh, key insight from the accelerator time, which uh, went on about a year, any key insights that you want to share for the mm. audience? Well, some of the some of the key things are accepting the uh, feedback from from the customer discovery we do. The first thing we do when we have an idea, if we have an idea, is we tell somebody, and if they counter with some question, we have to understand that our idea is not hundred percent perfect. So, the first the first insights we need to know is: is your problem statement a real problem statement, or are you just creating a new problem statement? That's the first thing to really understand. The second thing to know is be open-minded to accept the criticism and the feedback and engineer the idea to make sure it solves the actual problems people may have. Mm. So this was a second difficult part, which we need to be, because we immediately go defensive when somebody says, yeah, this is not good. Uh, no, this is good because of blah, blah, blah reasons. Uh, you don't understand. Okay. <laughs> Let me talk to somebody else. <laughs> So uh, my advisors had very straight uh, a response. When you ask somebody a question, be a listener first, else don't ask the question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Any other so, Right. That's, that was a key part. And the second part is to how to communicate and get out your idea in a way people can understand and see your point of view. That was a the the probably the final stage of it, which which we it's encountered. Like perfecting the pitch. Perfecting the pitch, pretty much. Yeah. And how so, did that go? So finally, how oh, did how did it come out? Probably we pitched about thousand times easily. <laughs> so, Seriously, and whom did you pitch yeah. it to? Whom did you pitch um, it to? Within our advisory team, quite a lot, almost few times a week, That's and right. within me and my co-founder, several times a, a day. And once my, my advisors felt we are ready, they're like, okay, there is a shark tank competition right nearby. Mm -hmm. It's a domestic shark tank. Mm -hmm. So they are literally taking us out of the cocoon and putting it in front of real investors and entrepreneurs and successful people. And that's like a big event with mm -hmm. several companies, ideas, groups mm -hmm. coming in, pitching about their ideas.
So it's a domestic level Shark Tank in 2018, mm. and we went there. We pitched about the idea, and it it was uh, absolutely well received, and we ended up winning that uh, Shark Tank as well. So you are still in PhD, right? While you are doing all these things, you are still going through right. your PhD research. I was I was 23. I was still in my third year of PhD, and we were doing this in parallel along with our PhD. Right. So I, I, I probably have been in the two full times for a long time now. <laughs> <laughs> Used to it. So if I ask you this, you know, very, you know, not really have to be accurate. Can you share right away the mm-hmm. kind of the early pitch that you had for your business? Very, uh, you know, rough. And then how it is now, because you've done thousand times, right. so you know, both. So do you want to have this fun? Try to remember the early sure. pitch, do that one and then do this one. And that's then we will go forward from here. Sure. I think the first pitch I made in the, not even in the Shark Tank, the first pitch I ever made in front of my advisors, it kind of goes like this. So I, I, I come up saying that, okay, I'm Akash Kanegula and we have an idea to make sure that people don't spend time on uh, writing their manuscripts. All they have to do is open script editor and start writing their details and their content and it exports immediately. So if you have money right now, please invest in our company and we will make sure to develop this product and then spread it across the world. And the market is about $20 billion. And even if we capture about 15% of it, we will be a huge billionaire. This pretty much was the pitch. Okay. <laughs> may not be the may not be the exact exact yeah, words because no, it's been good. like four years or something. That was good. Um, so now, now let's come forward to your perfected pitch. Today, when I when I pitch about wise talk to people, I would say that most people today who are writing resumes and cover letters or any documents for that matter, we need a perfect resume, per- perfect document with a perfect template. And there is pretty much no templates, we no document today which we use which doesn't have a template. Every document has a template. So uh, wise talk is going to help people to save their time and effort for for formatting anything. And if you have some time left, might as well spend time with your families. So WiseDoc is going to save people time and time is money. So I would, I would highly suggest people to look into WiseDoc and, and start using it. And there are some extremely successful cases, which we already have heard about, where people are getting job in opportunities and interviews, and they're saving time and money. So I think it's worthwhile to completely try it out. And if you like it, you embrace it and forward it. As simple as that. Awesome. So if I got it, see, I haven't gone through accelerators. I'm on my own. But what I understood, what you did differently, let me call it out and you tell me if it's, uh, so it's, it, this podcast conversation has become very different. We didn't think it would be that way. <laughs> so in the beginning, you did not touch upon the emotional triggers of people, the the pain or the, the benefit of uh, your product. So right, you didn't right. you didn't talk about uh, it will save time and you better spend it with family. So when it comes to time, time itself does not have any meaning. But when you right. say you are getting to spend with family, which if you are not able to do because you are working really hard, it right. creates a trigger. So you spend right. time with your family. The right. second thing you said is there are good cases where people have been able to get good jobs. Right. So that's another problem. Oh, I send my yeah. resume and I've done it hundred times. Nobody responded. Right, right. 
using this uh, wise dog, if somebody is able to get jobs, somebody is able to spend more time with family. So you are covering the end goal of people and creating right. that emotional trigger rather than talking about, oh, my product will you know remove apostrophe and do this and do that, which- Right. Yeah, absolutely. So initially when we have an idea, we first think about how best we can create that idea into a product, what are the features and how good you are and how good your product can be. But I think as we keep talking to the people who really have problems, we try to trigger and fix the actual problems behind it. The actual problems people have is not about the great features they need. The actual problems is they need more time in their lives. So they want to spend it, spend the time efficiently, number one. And number two, they want to make sure that if they are applying for jobs, they keep applying and every day, a lot of people get 20, 30, 40 rejections. You're rejected, rejected, rejected. It's going to emotionally, you know, take down the confidence of people, right? So uh, the second part, which, which we are telling is, okay, if you do things different in a better way, you will not have these rejection triggers constantly appearing because you're doing things differently. Now you're applying in a different way. Your resume is different. Your cover letter is different. So that's the actual thing which we feel and we discuss with people the need. They need some time spent efficiently. They need some real resumes which can actually get them phone calls and a job can take them a long way. That's beginning of their new life. Mm. So I think that's the core part which we are able to provide now. Not just any feature. Features are just to get this into the journey. Yeah. The core part is get somebody's life started. And if I'm playing a small role in that, if my company is doing that, mm. great. I think we are, we are doing a good contribution. Awesome. Very good. So two questions running in my mind. One is you're still in PhD, you started a company. And of course, mm -hmm. uh, four years hence, uh, you have, of course, finished your PhD. You right. also started in a job and you are still continuing with your business. So first, let's touch upon that. So how has the journey been? So while you were run, doing your PhD, you started a company. So were you able to do justice to your PhD and to, to the professor who brought you in, in terms of research papers and all, how did that go? And while you were doing, how much of focus you had on business? Was it like we have to really pull it up into a proper business mm -hmm. or it was still like we will help the researchers because that was your initial right, process right. because your yes. article was rejected and you thought I'll create something which will help researchers like me. Right, and right, then absolutely. now it has evolved into now your uh, clients are people who are applying for jobs. So resume cover jobs. letter on all of those things. So let's uh, quickly touch upon the PhD part. How did that go? Was there, because you started a company, did it have an impact? Or if not, what, just give a right. brief um, of how it ended up. Yeah. So, well, most of the time during the PhD is training through accelerator and designing the software at my own time. So what I used to do as a PhD, we used to have a standard schedule of trainings from Accelerator for one, 1. 1.5 years and take out that time of research and compensate in the evenings or late nights or in the mornings. So extra hard work, extra hours. That's one thing. And the second thing, what I filled in the PH, during the PhD time is instead of when I take a break, oh, I'm stressed with my research. I want to go home, watch Netflix. So instead, what I started doing is I started designing a software. So it's, it's actually fun, addictive, because it's your own idea. You're trying to bring it to life. 
and i think i replaced some of the netflix amazon kind of you know movie watchings or having other fun kind of things i had i replaced those with designing the software mm-hmm. so definitely some adjustments in the time we spend and how we spend it that's number that's that's a key part mm-hmm. during the phd mm-hmm. and post a phd i started off with my uh, full time job in a big company and it was necessary because building a software like wisedoc is going to be it's it's very very difficult you are building the whole foundation again reinventing a wheel mm-hmm. imagine we have microsoft word already and it took decades for them to get to where they are right now mm-hmm. but today when we launch a particular product it has to be better or equal at least to the existing products mm-hmm. so building that product is going to be very expensive with time and money both mm-hmm. so i started off with my full time right after my phd with my same knowledge of nanotechnology and uh, semiconductors started with so, intel right with intel yes mm-hmm. and in my daytime i started to work at uh, intel with semiconductors and uh, nanotechnology and once my evening starts i take a, like a small break for having a coffee i guess <laughs> and and then i get started with wise talk until probably 1 2 at night so i have my team in india i have my third co-founder in india who is in a technical uh, side of it hmm. so i uh, it's pretty much the same constant schedule for last 3 years I work in the daytime make sure we you can keep your family afloat and and your company afloat hmm. and then work in the evenings to make sure you are bringing your vision to life hmm. Hmm. and that's been constantly going on for last 3 years That's amazing man and how far have you come in your uh, product well i think initially like you said it was a product for thesis and journals and technical documents mm. and i remember saying this to my uh, co-founder that uh, no matter what recession can come up it's hard to hit a educational industry mm. academic industry was never been hit before that hard mm. and we are in the academic side because if we ask students to pay for the software it's going to be highly unlikely some somebody is ready to pay because students don't have money by themselves mm-hmm. so our idea was to get this to universities licensed and mm-hmm. then the university gives the students for free mm-hmm. and then st- students can use it for their time mm-hmm. so when the product was in a strong development we were about to launch the 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 software and covid-19 came in and covid hit the most to the academic institutions than several others mm. it strongly hit universities took them completely out of fundings and we found that the bigger problem right now is unemployment my own father lost his job during covid mm. Mm. and we found that okay the bigger problem right now suddenly is unemployment and covid mm. and the only way we can contribute to this current problem statement immediately now is help people to land into their interviews better way than before. Mm. That's when the journey of the resumes and cover letters started. That's when we pivoted after covid. Mm. So definitely we are now in a position where universities are ready to license. We have few thousands of users already using wisedoc having experience with it. On the on the research side or on the resume side? On the resume purely on the resume side. So we are we are in we are almost re- done with the perfecting the software. and mm. universities are ready, already discussing with us licensing with us we have users across 75 countries right now 
and eventually all, all we through will, all through universities um, mostly through non university methods oh okay uh, so, so it's, people can it's all, go on your website and download and use it yeah people can directly go to website right now they can just sign up and create resumes and and they can start applying for jobs so, so what does uh, it do it makes it ats friendly or what else does it do so ats friendly is definitely like a small piece of it yes it mm -hmm. is ats friendly but the bigger problem I see, which I realized in my market research again, mm. is I see students taking one resume file and they just mm. keep, keep uploading it in all the job positions. Mm. Upload, 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 upload. Mm. It, and then they keep getting rejected mm. because every job is different. Your resume has to be different. To align so, with the job description. Exactly. But I asked them, some of the students, why aren't you doing that? Mm. They said, oh, I'm going to have 100 different files then. And it's mm. going to be difficult for me to copy paste every file and change everything. Mm. So beyond ATS friendly, what WiseDoc helps students mm. is you can create like one master file, put everything you have in there. Mm. And then if you are applying for a job, let's say Python, you can just disable some other skills, which you don't have to showcase in there. Focus on Python part in your resume mm. and just it's, it's like literally checking and unchecking the buttons. Got it. So now what people are doing is, okay, uncheck it, export, apply for job. And check it again, export, apply for a different job. That's so awesome. this is improving the conversion rate of their getting the phone calls, mm. right? Obviously, if their resume is fit enough for the job description. This is for early stage employees or potential employees, or it is for senior professionals? It's it's for everyone, but mostly if you see the Pareto, 80% will be for uh, early stage okay. because because in the early stage, their, their skills are all scattered, more than focused, right. and uh, they have to engineer this more than others. Got it. And yeah, Got and it. we also, it also provides some tips for them to write down because the first timers, it's going to be. <laughs> Hard for them to write oh down. No, it sounds very, very valuable. Good, good, to, good to understand how far you have come, uh, Akash. Uh, throughout this journey, any challenges you remember where you said, "Should we close it? Why are we taking this pain? You know, we have a good job, <laughs> and I'm guessing your co-founders also have job, and you know, you guys might have thought like, now COVID has hit. Yeah, there is a big <laughs> problem, but we are also in problem. We already have job and family and I don't know if it's right. going to work or not. And uh, there's no funding. We are putting our own money. Any point in time, did you have that kind of feeling like, should we, should we step back? Yes. Uh, to be honest, it happens more often than what people think. And it's not good. It's, it's not going to be uh, yes, I never give up. Yes. We never give up, which is why we are still doing this, mm. but it keeps occurring once every while that are we doing the, are we doing this because we are obsessed with this or mm. uh, at this point, or are we doing this? Can we just quit because it's just getting too much, too many hurdles and everything. Mm. And all three of our co-founders, me and two, two of my other co-founders. So all three of us, we keep assessing every time. Does the problem statement still exist? Are people still facing the problem? And mm. if any day the answer becomes no, maybe we shut it down. Mm. But every time we ask ourselves, is there a problem? And if the answer is yes, that's what motivates us to just keep, keep pushing through. So I think that's what keeps us keep pushing through and not quitting. But does a thought keep occurring every while? Mm. Yes, it does keep more often than what we think. <laughs> what has been some of the biggest challenges during this journey? I think when we started off, we started off with three co-founders and one of the co-founder within six months after started, the technical co-founder, he quit for personal reasons. 
that was the initial big hurdle when we faced mm. and then funding is always a hurdle we keep facing the the but the biggest of all i feel is getting the right team together hiring hiring a team for early stage startups the mm. the person has to be passionate and mm. willing to be a visionary and you know trying to build something mm. i think putting up a team like that is probably the biggest of all challenges we have faced so far and i i would be lucky to i'm fortunate mm. to have a team to build whatever we have so far i can say every single one of them is not just doing it for money mm. uh, they're doing it for something beyond that that's awesome. why they are with us so when you built your team for the business uh, is it just developers or there are developers there are people for social media there are people for you know maybe mm-hmm. uh, executive assistant admin kind of job have you structured it or how how does the team look like right so right now the team is mostly developers yes and i design myself the software and we have a team of developers and our co-founder being the strongly focused on the marketing side and okay. we have a and we have a data analyst who tries to keep understanding the behavior of how the software is working how can it get better how can the marketing can drive so we are doing all those structured pretty well and in a in a streamlined process so we are doing that already but mostly it's comprised of developers because a tech tech company at the end of the day has to have strong development um, all true. the time true so after you left uh, university i mean i remember it, while you were in university you had this guidance of advisors from the accelerator what happens after you left the university do you have guide mentors people whom you can go and validate when you have challenges mm-hmm. right so first definitely we have the uh, connection still with our advisors we di- we do chat with them once in a while but it's not as often as the time of training it's just that we have in back of, back of their mind saying that okay if i have some need i can definitely ring a door but we never do that often because we are kind of finding our own challenges and you know trying to cross barriers by ourselves mm. but we do still have the same advisors okay. and we we approach them once okay. in a while okay yeah. do you ever feel the need of connecting with other entrepreneurs beyond you and your co-founders mm-hmm. or just no time to even think about it well i do meet a lot of entrepreneurs mostly for understanding their journeys for example the problems which i faced if only i talked to 3 year 3 year back akash maybe i wouldn't have did these mistakes <laughs> so mm-hmm. i try to speak to other entrepreneurs to see if they found the sim- if they fa- happen to be in a similar state as i am and maybe they have some ideas so i i keep talking to other other entrepreneurs i think it's good to have somebody in the back where you can chat about and share about definitely right yeah because you know when you are in a job you have a surrounding of people who have ambition to grow in their job but when you are in entrepreneurship journey there is nobody around you and you go to those people so it's it's a lonely journey so what are the different channels that you use do you use just linkedin or there are conferences and you know mm-hmm. what are the different challenge challenge channels where uh, you get to meet these people now it's mostly linkedin after the remote thing started yeah. before that we did pitched in conferences in in portugal in within us as well Yeah. and we did network physically like going out there a lot more than mm-hmm. what what's it right now mm-hmm. now there are literally two options linkedin and probably email <laughs> so uh now it's mostly linkedin i got the gist so you covered a lot of ideas akash thank you for openly you know the whole journey of I... 
PhD to the whole accelerator to you know taking it forward and you know having co-founders where you have mind match and that's why you guys are still there you know building team pivoting from the original idea to solving a bigger problem and you mm-hmm. talked about your father losing your job and another family member you talked earlier who lost job so uh, you have picked up a problem that you are passionate about and i think that's that's the key of entrepreneurship it's not about how jazzy solution you are building it's about right. what problem you are solving you also talked about the the entrepreneur connections you talked about mentorship anything else you think i should have asked which i did not ask which would be well a- i think this is like probably the overall gist of it i think entrepreneurship is it's awesome beyond just building the product i think it it builds as a person you know a lot more Definitely. than what we think the the state of mind which i was in in the beginning that okay i need to get this out there to get whatever the revenues and stuff it 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 the journey makes converts you into a thinking it's about building things to helping people doing useful things for people mm-hmm. i think that mindset is probably a biggest growth for me as a, a person and definitely the friends and families and co-founder everything has to come together to make sure it can happen in a smooth way so uh, it's it's yeah it's fortunately i was in the right spot <laughs> and you are still very young right 25 26 i am right now about 28, 28. so it's still very uh, very young so long long way ahead and, absolutely. and you have had very good experience starting from your uh, internship that you had in notre dame to phd to this whole business thing it's been a wonderful journey but do you think still think like if you had to go back 8 9 years back and start mm-hmm. all over again would you do anything differently well i think i i i don't think i would change a lot of it because every single step of my journey has given some sort of uh, character build up and if i would have to uh, suggest something to myself like a 10 like 10 years back or something i would i, I would tell them i would tell myself ideas it's it's all about questioning the traditional methods and making sure if we can make life any better than what it is today maybe that could have driven me into good ideas early in life than what i am right now so i think that's one thing which which i learned in this journey so mm. i wouldn't change much but that's one suggestion probably i would give myself awesome man very good anybody who who wants to get into entrepreneurial journey and you know gets inspired by what you have been doing and wants to connect with you what's the best way to connect with you well linkedin is obviously LinkedIn uh, is the best way and a lot of people who connect with me even if i'm um, not there are several people who connect and if sometimes you align sometimes you don't align it's still i still respond to every single person yeah, and nice. i respect people when who when they text me so i think the best way to reach reach me is linkedin and obviously people can go to wisedoc and put in the chat and then they can reach any of our team members and co-founders as well very nice wonderful talking to you akash and thanks for coming on the podcast great i am it's it's my pleasure to be here asan thank you very much thank you for listening to the empowering indian expats podcast with your host asan ali i hope akash's story inspired you he's living his life on his own terms he studied what he wanted to he started a business to solve a real problem and uh, when covid hit rather than quitting 
he pivoted in his business to solve another real problems that was interesting and his tenacity is worth admiring what did you get out of akash's story let me know and uh, if you're someone at a career crossroad or feeling stuck in your career or keen to transition into entrepreneurship do connect with me on linkedin i may be able to help you myself or will connect you with someone who has already been on the journey you are contemplating right now